This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. In this show, we're going to talk about net play strategy for doubles. This is part four in our four-part series on doubles strategy. And if you missed parts one through three, I'd recommend going back and listening to those as well. Uh, They'll kind of lay a really good foundation and kind of get the principles in place for a lot of what we're going to talk about here today. Part one was on foundations and fundamentals of good double strategy, as well as uh, we talked about some information on the mental side of doubles and how we should be thinking about each point in each match. Part two was on serve strategy. Part three was all about return team strategy. And then today, like I said, we're going to be talking about net play. So specifically what we're going to be talking about is why you should be trying to get to the net in the first place. Then we're going to talk about the different goals we should have once we are at the net, how we should be thinking about uh, moving on the court, how we should be thinking about the point uh, from that position. And then after that, I'm going to talk about different times to come forward, how to poach, how to move at the net, uh, and answer some common questions that I get from uh, players at the club level. So let's dive into it. So the first question is, why should we even be trying to get to the net? What's the advantage we have at the net in doubles? And the answer to that is uh, playing from the net is a higher win percentage. So if you finish a point at the baseline versus finishing a point at the net, odds are you're going to win a a higher percentage of points when you finish at the net. Uh, The winning team usually will finish at the net in doubles. And there's a few reasons for that. One, it takes time away from your opponent. So what I mean by that is the ball has less of a distance to travel when you're at the net versus when you're at the baseline. So if you think about it, let's say you're playing a doubles match and you're in a cross-court rally from the baseline. The ball has to travel, uh, the length of the court is 78 feet, so it's it's even further than that cross-court. So the, the ball has to travel 78 feet one way and then 78 feet the other way, so over 150 feet uh, before it gets back to the person who originally hit the ball. Whereas if you're at the net, you're almost cutting that distance in half. So w- when you're taking time away from your opponent like that, they have less time to get ready for their next shot. Maybe they hit a forehand to you, you hit a volley back to them at their backhand, and they have a lot less time to kind of see where the ball is coming, turn, get ready, and so on. So taking that time away from your opponent is a huge advantage to being at the net. The next advantage we have from the net is we have a lot better angles. So when you're at the net, uh, typically if you're poaching or uh, cutting off a ball, you're going to be hitting that from the middle of the court and you can hit really good angles from there. So that in combination with taking time away from them 
uh, results in a lot of balls that the opponent just can't get to. Um, they're not going to be able to run it down because you're able to create such a better angle from the net. Uh, and then another kind of um, another advantage is is that you can usually hit down on the ball. Um, a lot of times at the net when the ball is is crossing the net, obviously it's going to be over the height of the net. But a lot of players have trouble dipping it down uh, at the volleyer's feet. And as a result, especially if you're able to step in closer to the net, you're able to hit down on the ball, uh, which is a huge advantage as well because um, you're hitting the ball harder, you're getting it through the court faster, um, and you can hit it down uh, at the other net player's feet also. So that's another advantage. And then the last one that uh, is actually my favorite, and this is something a lot of people miss, is playing from the net forces a lot more errors from the opponent. So when you move forward to the net, that opponent feels a lot of pressure. And I I can't tell you how many times I'll see uh, players in a cross-court rally at the 3-5-4-0-4-5 level, and then one player comes to the net, and the back player who's been hitting really good forehands in the cross court rally tries to go for just a little more and then they miss. They try to go for a narrower window. They try to hit the ball a little harder. They try to put a little extra spin on it because their opponent has moved forward to the net. So you can force a lot more errors simply by getting to the net. You don't even have to hit a volley a lot of times because you're putting so much pressure on the opponent. So next, we're going to talk about the overall goals once we do get to the net. Um, The questions we'll be asking and and answering are, how should we think about playing from the net? What should we be focused on? Um, How should we be uh, thinking about playing the point um, when our opponent's hitting, when uh, our partner's hitting, and so on? So we'll cover that next. So there's two goals that I want you to focus on when you're at the net. One is I want you to really kind of own the middle of the court. Uh, That area around the center net strap, so above it and then maybe a few feet on either side of it, that needs to be your area that you really really kind of dominate and and take control of. Uh, If you listen to the episode with... Craig O'Shaughnessy. He calls this area the center window. And after uh, studying a a lot of doubles data, he found that most balls in doubles go through the center window area. So the team that controls that area uh, typically can control the outcome of the match. So as the net player, you get access to that center window uh, from a volley perspective, and you're able to uh, move towards the middle, move towards the net strap, and really own it and control that area. So that's the first thing I want you to focus on. Uh, Definitely don't allow any weak balls or anything like that through that center area. The second thing I want you to focus on is just making the opponent see you. So when I talk about different mistakes I see on the doubles court, um, especially at the club levels, one huge mistake I see is a lot of players from the net will be so worried about getting passed down the alley that each time the opponent's about to hit, they shift towards the alley. And that opens up the whole uh, court for the opponent to hit a very easy cross-court shot. So 
We don't want to be doing that. We want to be giving them some of the alley. Uh, give them enough so that they make about 40% of their shots down the alley. And you have to judge that based on uh, how strong was the shot that my partner just hit, um, how good is the opponent, do they have a forehand or backhand, and so on. So we want to be giving up some of that alley and really creeping towards the middle a little bit more so that the opponent sees us. And what that's going to do is force a lot more errors from the opponent. So there's two things we can do from the net. We, we can be super aggressive and, and move towards that center net strap area like I've talked about. Or we can kind of stay conservative, hold our ground, uh, allow the opponent to go cross court. And there are times to do each. You know, when I say don't cover the alley, um, and this is true of everything I say on the show, none of it's, none of it's true in every single scenario. There are certain scenarios where you will want to move over and cover the alley, uh, but it's it's far fewer than most people realize. So when should we be aggressive? We should be aggressive anytime the opponent looks uncomfortable or anytime they are on defense. So a defensive shot might be a backhand from way behind the baseline. It might be a tough low uh, half volley. It might be a running shot that um, maybe your partner hit a really good drop shot and they're running up to try to get to it. So anytime the opponent looks like they're on defense, that's when we can be aggressive and kind of try to move towards that center net strap area, take over uh, that center window. When should we be conservative? So the times to be conservative, it's, it's just the opposite. When they're on offense, when they have an easy shot, we want to play a little bit more conservatively at the net. So I personally play the ad side a lot. And one time that I do usually cover the alley is if the opponent in the deuce court has a really short forehand, maybe a short forehand around the service line area that's sitting up about shoulder height. And I know they can just rip it down the line uh, and beat me up the line. So in that case, I want the opponent to rip that forehand cross court so that my partner has time to react to it and we can stay in the point. So in that case, I will shift a little left to cover the line because the opponent's in an offensive position and we're in a defensive position in that case. So that's the time to be conservative. Uh, again, stay aggressive if the opponent looks uncomfortable, if they're on defense. Uh, and then on neutral balls, on anything you know where, where the opponent and your partner, maybe you're in a cross-court rally or, or something like that, that's when we can stay kind of unpredictable. We can mix up our, our movement. We can poach some. We can fake some. Uh, and we can recover to the alley for any down-the-line shots, things like that. So uh, neutral balls, stay unpredictable. Keep the opponent guessing a little bit. Uh, you'll find that you'll annoy them a lot, get in their head a little bit, and you'll also force a lot more errors that way. And the way to do this is not only to move forward and backwards as the ball's moving across the net and then back, but move laterally. And this is something so many players miss. I see tons of players moving backwards as the ball gets to their partner and then forward as the ball uh, reaches their opponent and then they do the split step thing to get ready for their volley. But they're not moving side to side at all. And by not moving side to side, you're making it very easy on the opponent. They know exactly where you're going to be and they know exactly how to avoid you as the net player. 
So we want to be moving side to side during the point, uh, poaching, faking, pinching, um, like we talked about in part two of this series, which was on the, the serve strategy. So we want to do that same thing uh, during the point itself. And keep in mind, there's always a trade-off with all of this stuff. So because we're going to be more active at the net, because we're not going to cover the alley anymore, because that, that's what you used to do, but you're not going to do it anymore, we're going to get beat down the line more. It's just, it's just how it's going to be. Um, and you'll see it on the pro, uh, pro level of doubles when you watch on TV. They get beat down the line all the time. And they don't, you know, they, they don't get sad about it. They don't get, uh, get down on themselves or anything like that. They understand that it's just a part of the game. And for every one that they are beat down the line, there might be two or three that the opponent misses down the line. Or two or three where they make that move to the middle and the opponent doesn't go down the line and they have a volley to put away or to force an error. So we have to be counting not only the ones that we get beat down the line, but the ones where the opponent misses because of our movement. And what you'll find is there's a lot fewer where the opponent beats us down the line than there are when they miss attempting to beat us down the line. So we have to live with that because uh, it's, a it's a good trade-off for us. It's really a winning play to be moving a little bit more laterally at the net forcing the opponent to go down the line and hit that lower percentage shot. So now that we've got an idea of kind of the goals at the net, let's talk about when to move forward, how to poach, and when we should be poaching. A lot of players aren't sure when to come to the net or how to approach the net in doubles. And that's what I want to answer next. So when should we be moving forward during a point? There's a a lot of opportunities to do that. Uh, a lot of them you'll, you'll have heard of. And then a few of them might help you out if you're typically not that comfortable at the net or maybe you struggle with that transition game from the baseline to the net. So the first option we have is the serve and volley. Uh, that's something that most players are not taught when they grow up. Uh, it's something that I know I wasn't taught and I've had to just develop in my own game over the last uh, five years or so. And uh, with the serve and volley, it, it, it's it's kind of difficult. Um, the 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 hardest part of that is the half volley, and that's what a lot of people struggle with. And a few tips for the serve and volley that that might help get you started. Um, one, I would practice it in your practice matches that don't count if it's something you're uncomfortable with and you've never done before. Uh, practice matches are a great opportunity to work on your game experiment with new things that you're uncomfortable with. Uh, and if you lose, so what? It's a practice match. So that's where I would be practicing this. Uh, the second thing is serve and volley on a little bit slower serves. So a great time to do that is maybe on a kick serve or a slice serve out wide. Anytime it's a slower serve and you can take your momentum forward into the court, that allows you more time to move forward into the court so that you're not hitting a difficult half volley from the service line, but you can step in uh, even further inside the service line closer to the net and hopefully get a volley uh, from your waist height or maybe even higher. And then the last thing is serve and volley against players who return from a little bit deeper in the court. That's another thing that will let you 
get more time to get to the net. If you're playing against someone who likes to step in and take returns early, it's going to be really difficult to serve in volley unless you have a really good half volley. So I definitely uh, recommend those things if you're going to try to start uh, to add the serve and volley to your game. If that's something you're not comfortable with, uh, one thing that I like to do a lot, I've started doing it more in my own game depending on the returner, is what I call the serve plus one in volley. So that means you hit your serve, the return comes back, and ideally you look for a whatever your strongest ground stroke is, probably your forehand. So you look for a forehand and you try to put it in a place where the opponent uh, becomes in a defensive position. So if I can hit it deep to someone's backhand or low to someone's backhand volley or uh, get the opponent on the run with my forehand, as soon as I hit the ball, I can feel how well I hit it. And if I hit it good, I'll follow it in for a volley. So that's the serve plus one in volley. Uh, definitely, I would recommend trying that if you're uncomfortable with the serve and volley. Uh, it's a great strategy. It's a great way to uh, take advantage of the uh, the advantage that we start the point with as the serving team. Now, if you're the return team, uh, there's a few opportunities to come into the net as well. So, of course, we can return in volley. What I recommend for that is to wait for a second serve and Similar to the serve plus one in volley, wait till you feel the ball come off your racket. And at that point, you can make a decision. Okay, I hit that ball really well. I hit that return really well. It's going to get the opponent back or it's going to be down at their feet or whatever it might be. So then you can follow it in. Or if you miss hit it a little or uh, you left it a little shorter in the court, then you can kind of step back and, and get ready to play a little bit more defensive. So returning and volleying, especially against second serves, is a great strategy. Uh, You can also try the return plus one in volley, uh, which is similar to the serve plus one in volley, where you'll return, uh, they'll hit one shot back at you, and then you'll look to set up the next shot to move forward. Um, So anytime really that you're in a cross-court rally um, or any sort of rally from the baseline, you should really be looking to to see where the opponents are, feel the ball off your racket. And if you know that they're about to be in a defensive position, that's a great opportunity for you to move forward. The other thing to focus on, which I mentioned in the serve and volley, is figure out way to buy yourself, figure out a way to buy yourself some time. So buying yourself time will allow you to get more forward into the net and make that transition volley a little bit easier for you. A few ways you can do that is to hit it to the person in the back of the court. So if the opponents are one up, one back, hit it to that back person so that the ball has a little bit further to travel. If you hit it higher over the net, that'll buy yourself some time. You can also try a a chip and charge um, where you hit a a slower slice ball uh, to buy yourself some time, or you can just lob. Um, That works really well at a lot of levels uh, in in USTA tournaments and leagues. And you can lob deep to the backhand and follow that in. Uh, If you know that it's gonna be a a really good lob kind of deep in the corner, um, you you can follow it in for a short high volley or overhead. Uh, Another good opportunity to come forward is any short forehands you have. So if you have a short forehand, rather than looking to hit a winner, 
look to set up your next ball as a volley. So if the opponent is uh, back, you can try to push it, push them back and hit it at their backhand. Uh, if both opponents are up at the net, you can try to dip it down low at the weaker player's backhand volley. That's a great opportunity to force an error or have them pop the ball up so that you can come forward and hit down on your next shot, uh, which hopefully is a volley, and put the ball away. So really any good shots you hit, especially from the forehand side, those are great opportunities to come forward to the net, um, especially if, if you're typically not comfortable with that transition volley. So next we'll talk about how we should be poaching. So let's say we already get to the net, maybe our partner's serving or our partner's returning. Uh, how should we be poaching? What's the, what's the key elements to a, a successful poach? How, how can we start to feel more comfortable with it uh, if it's something that we haven't really done a lot in the past? So to start, I wanted to mention the biggest mistake I see with players who, who miss on uh, the times that they poach, when they miss the volley. So what I'll typically see is a player will, uh, their partner will be in a cross-court rally, and the player will cross for the poach, they'll have a high volley, and they'll miss it in the net. And I see this all the time, and then the player goes back and looks at their strings, or maybe they do some shadow volleys or something like that, and they feel like it, their technique's just a little bit off. And what I find is that's almost never the case. Uh, the problem is the player is moving across for their poach, but they're not moving forward. So when you're moving across and trying to volley, what you're going to do is you're going to end up volleying with your upper body only and not your, your lower body. So you're not kind of getting your, your legs and your hips into the volley, uh, and you're going to miss it in the net, or you're going to shank the volley or, or maybe float it long or something like that. So when we're poaching, we want to be moving across and forward. I like to typically either move diagonally or I'll start out kind of moving forward and then jump forward to my left to, to pick off that ball in the middle. So be sure that your momentum is moving forward when you're making contact with the ball on your poaches. The other thing you want to do when you're poaching is mix up your timing. So a lot of coaches you'll hear say, Oh, you want to poach as soon as the ball hits the opponent's racket. That way they can't beat you down the line. That's true. Um, a lot of coaches also say start your poach when the opponent starts their swing. Uh, that's also true. You can do that as well. Uh, but what I would say is do both. Mix up your timing. Uh, sometimes leave super early and give the opponent the alley, make them change direction. A great time to do that is anytime they're on their heels and in a super defensive position and they uh, their odds of making that down the line shot are, are going to be pretty low. Um, and then sometimes you can cross really late. Uh, if your partner's in a neutral ball rally where you feel like uh, the opponent might be a slightly better uh, cross-court rallier or they have a slightly better forehand or something like that and you don't like your odds of winning this point, uh, on one of those neutral balls, you can leave a little bit late and you can pick it off and, and hit it at the opposing net player's feet um, or put the ball away. So mix up your timing on the poach. That'll frustrate the opponent. It'll force a lot more errors. It'll keep them guessing and it'll keep you in control at the net. So next, uh, if you've never 
been a real active net player in doubles. I wanted to cover several times that I like to poach in doubles, uh, including a few times for beginners if you, if you haven't done this in the past. And then uh, if you're more comfortable with the net, I'll have a few uh, kind of intermediate to advanced level poaching tips as well. Okay, so when should we actually be poaching? When should What should we be looking for on the court to determine, okay, this is the time for me to move across? What a lot of players do at the net is they wait for the poachable ball. And this is kind of a reactive approach, and we don't want to do that. We want to be proactive. So we want to see that the poachable ball is coming before it even happens. And the way to do that, like we've talked about already a little bit, is to read the ball and read the other players on the court. So if your partner just hit a really good deep ball to the opponent's backhand, you don't have to wait to see what ball is coming across next. You should know odds are they're on their heels, they're hitting a backhand, which is their weaker shot. They're not going to be able to hit a very good shot here. And if they do, then you know we give it to them. That's too good. Uh, if they can hit that on a consistent basis, then... Maybe they're a little bit better player than us, or um, we should uh, uh, look for a different opportunity to poach. Maybe their forehand's weaker and their backhand's stronger or something like that. So we'll make our adjustments as needed. But if you're typically not comfortable at the net, you don't move a lot uh, side to side, but um, you move mostly forward and backwards, and you don't poach a lot, here's a few opportunities for you uh, to look to poach. So the first time is when you have your forehand volley in the middle. So for most right-handed players, that's going to be if you're on the ad side. So if you return from the ad side or if your partner's serving and you are, uh, they're serving in the deuce court, which means you're standing there in the ad court, you have your forehand volley in the middle. So some great times to poach is going to be uh, if your partner's serving and they serve down the tee to the opponent's backhand. Uh, if you see that ball land down the tee, especially if it has some good depth in the box and it's a first serve, that's a great time for you to move across and poach. Uh, another opportunity is on any slow balls. So if the opponent is in a cross-court rally with your partner, you have your forehand volley in the middle, and the opponent's hitting some slow, maybe high balls or, or slices that kind of float a little bit, as soon as they make contact on that next one, uh, you should be moving across and you kind of have been reading the point and seeing how slow the ball is. So you should have a feel for the pace and you can move across and hit that forehand volley. A few other chances to poach. Uh, I mentioned deep balls. So especially anything that lands deep in the court to the opponent's backhand, that's a really good opportunity to poach. Um, if you see them on their heels, uh, backhand or forehand really, but um, especially that weaker backhand side. Any any deep balls are great, uh, great opportunities to poach. Uh, and then another opportunity is, and this is getting into more intermediate to advanced level, is on any low balls. So if your partner hits a good drop shot and the opponent's running up towards the net uh, and you see that they're going to have to pop the ball up because the ball is below the height of the net, that's a great opportunity to poach because they're going to lift the ball. It's going to be moving up as it crosses the net, and then you can just smash it back down into the court uh, at the opponent's feet or hit it for a winner. So any low balls like that are great chances to poach. Uh, or if the opponents are already at the net 
and your partner hits a low ball at their backhand volley, uh, that's a great opportunity as well. Uh, one thing I like to do with my partner uh, early on in the match, uh, potentially, sometimes I do this even in warm-ups, is we'll pick out the weaker player on the court and we'll say, hey, any rally balls we get, if both players are at the net, we're going to go with that weaker player's backhand volley. So my partner and I are on the same page here. And what that does for me when I'm at the net is I know if I see both players up and my partner has a forehand, which is going to be their stronger shot, I know they're going to hit this forehand at that player's backhand volley. So as soon as I hear my partner make contact, I'm going to start running at their backhand volley because I'm expecting a weak uh, volley to, to be popped up over the net, and I want to be there to clean that up. So that's a great opportunity to poach as well, any sort of uh, low balls. And then the, the last few opportunities are, one, uh, when your partner's in a rally that they won't win. I touched on this briefly earlier, but um, if you didn't listen to episode one uh, or part one of this series, uh, I'd definitely recommend going back and listening to that. But at any given moment in the point, we have certain odds to win the point. And we want to make sure those odds are in our favor. So when our partner is in a rally against someone that's maybe a, a really good singles player or uh, someone who's just a better baseliner than our partner is, uh, that's a low winning percentage for us. So we want to find a way to uh, not have that happen. So there's a few ways we can do that. Obviously, our partner can hit a shot and come forward to the net, which is great. Um, but if they're kind of stuck back there and they struggle with their transition game and can't get to the net, uh, the other thing we can do is, is poach to help them out. So don't let that opponent feel comfortable rallying cross court with our partner, because if they do, the opponent's going to win the majority of those points in that case, because we've determined that they're a better, uh, better cross court uh, rallier in the scenario. So partner being in a cross-court rally, they won't win. Um, that's an opportunity for us to poach, fake, uh, do some, uh, provide some movement to help our partner out and force some errors. Uh, and then the last opportunity is that I wanted to touch on is when our backhand volleys are in the middle. So what do we do in that case? Um, most players, almost every player's backhand volley is a little bit weaker. You have less reach. Uh, you're not able to get as much kind of pop on the ball. Um, so it's just a weaker volley. So what I like to do to compensate for that is I'll typically move a little bit earlier when my backhand volley's in the middle. And that allows me to uh, put extra pressure on the opponent. They do see me, so they might beat me up the line. But if they do go kind of back behind me, I have my forehand volley on that side, so I can kind of reach back behind me and, and try to get a racket on it and stay in the point. Um, so going earlier... Uh, will help when your backhand volley is in the middle um, and also staying a little bit closer to the net. Uh, because the backhand volley is a little weaker, uh, we want to improve our odds of making the volley and standing closer to the net uh, will do that for us. So the last thing I wanted to touch on is um, if you're uncomfortable at the net, uh, I keep stressing this, but if you're uncomfortable at the net, if you're new to poaching, if, if you don't move laterally a lot, uh, go out in your practice matches and just get started. Think of the most basic way that you can get started and, and experiment and try to test out 
some of these new things that we've talked about. Um, poach anytime, say, that the opponent has a backhand and you're on the ad side with your forehand volley on the middle. Or uh, poach anytime your partner makes a first serve on the deuce side to the opponent's backhand. Just pick a time that you're going to poach and start doing it. And what you're going to find is even if your volleys aren't that good, the opponent's going to make a lot more errors. So you're helping just by the opponent seeing you. You're helping without even touching the ball in a lot of cases. And that's something that a lot of players miss and that I want you to really focus on. Every time the opponent misses, you should give yourself credit for uh, creating movement at the net, putting pressure on them, and forcing that error. So go out and get started. Experiment. Um, try poaching. Try faking. Try changing up your timing. And just see what works best for you and really notice kind of what's going on around you on the court. So that's it for this episode. If you had any questions as I went through all of this, uh, you can go to thetennistribe.com and go to our podcast page and you can reach out to us there. Or you can click on the contact page and fill out the contact form. Uh, I'll personally get back to you with uh, my best advice and uh, maybe we'll do a future episode uh, on any questions that you have. So. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly doubles newsletter. Every Thursday, we send you doubles tips and strategies to help you improve your game and become a smarter player. When you sign up, you'll get a free 10-page guide on how to play with more confidence and dominate at the net in doubles. You can go to thetennistribe.com to sign up now.